the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us as we begin today at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday, the 23rd morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2018. Got a very, very nice show lined up for you, or in my my case, a continuation of a very, very nice show. The uh, Bob France five-hour marathon continues. Uh, if you did not have the radio on during Hugh Hewitt this morning, you missed three really good interviews, I thought. As I spoke, um, sitting in for Hugh Hewitt, I spoke with uh, David M. Drucker of uh, CNN and the Washington Examiner. I spoke with Peter Kersenow. You may have heard of him. And if you missed that one, I got bad news for you. You missed him all day because he is not going to be with us at 10 o'clock today. He had a time conflict. So I had Peter Kersenow on during the Hewitt Show. And then I also talked with R.J. Hallman. The good news for you is if you missed that one, you're going to hear it. I'm going to replay the R.J. Hallman interview from FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, coming up in hour number two. So that was uh, the last three hours. What do the next two hours hold? Well, for one... Former Trump campaign advisor Sam Nunberg is going to be joining us to talk about the latest on this migrant uh, caravan and the political ramifications thereof. There are all kinds of ramifications, by the way, uh, of this caravan. There are security ramifications. There are policy ramifications and there are political ramifications. All three of those are very, very different. We're going to discuss those with Sam Nunberg. From 2011 to 2015, Mr. Nunberg was a political and public affairs advisor to President uh, uh, Donald Trump, President-elect Donald Trump, obviously, in uh, 2016, with a focus on strategy, strategic messaging, speech writing, and policy, as well as uh, political outreach. So we're going to talk to him. And then at 10.05, replacing Peter Kersenow, in a manner of speaking, as well as anybody can, is one of my favorite people to talk to and listen to, and that's Dr. Sebastian Gorka. He wrote a fantastic piece, did Dr. Gorka, 
about um, American greatness. It was an op-ed he wrote over the weekend about American greatness, why the media uh, could not care less about Khashoggi and, uh, and also about American greatness. I'm very much looking forward to uh, speaking with Dr. Gorka about that. Uh, his book, of course, is Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies. So we have got Sam Nunberg and Dr. Sebastian Gorka coming up on the program in the next two hours. Obviously, I expect to hear from you between, before, and after those guests are on the program. So dial when you're ready at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, and we will get you up and on the radio. Very much looking forward to getting your thoughts on all of this. Uh, the caravan, by the way, to my understanding, at least according to one Mexican news agency, and I don't know if it's been corroborated or confirmed by others yet, But according to at least one Mexican news agency, the caravan is no longer 7,000. Multiply that by two. Mexican news says the caravan has grown to 14,000 people picking up new followers as they go. Mexican police who failed to stop this caravan at their border with Guatemala now serve as escorts for the caravan to get them through Mexico. It continues to move northward, now rather than with the obstruction and resistance of Mexican police, but with the support and the escort services of the Mexican police. The members of the caravan from Central America have made it clear they have no intention of staying in Mexico. They have eyes only for the United States, which is a major problem, which I'll discuss with, well, which I did discuss with R.J. Hauman on the Hewitt Show, and you'll hear in in a little while. When a third nation offers amnesty or asylum, it should be incumbent upon the asylum seeker to take advantage of that offer, rather than saying, nah, We want to trade up. We appreciate your offer, but we don't like your country enough. We want to go somewhere else where we can take more advantage of their generosity and their status as the greatest nation on earth, one that we intend to tear down by turning it into one of our nations instead. You know, the same one we're fleeing. Isn't that quite a sight, by the way? People fleeing a nation that is terrible, that is persecuting them, that is impoverished, that is this, that, and the other thing. Oh, my God, we got to get out of here. we got to go to another country. And as they flee, they're waving with pride the flag of that very nation. We are Hondurans. Honduras sucks. We are Hondurans. Honduras sucks. We have to flee this terrible nation. But we are proud of being Hondurans, not Americans. It is simply a staggering thing to think about. It's very confusing, true, uh, too, is, is what it really is. Here's a Fox News report with the latest from President Trump. As a caravan of thousands of Central American migrants make their way through Mexico towards the U.S., President Trump at a Texas rally Monday night calling for tighter border security. We need a wall built fast. Meanwhile, former President Obama at a rally of his own in Nevada, slamming the Trump administration's get-tough policies. There's nothing... American about ripping immigrant children from their mothers. Look, don't boo. 
President Trump's been saying he's ready to cut off American aid to Honduras, Nicaragua and El Salvador, where most of the migrant marchers are from. Jill Nato, Fox News. You know, first of all, great first step by the president. Great first step. Absolutely cut off every nickel that we send to Honduras or El Salvador or Guatemala. Every last nickel. And to follow that up, scrap the United States-Mexico-Canada trade policy. President Trump scrapped NAFTA and instituted a new trade policy with Mexico. From now on, Mexico gets nothing. We'll continue our trade with Canada. Mexico gets nothing. And also aid? Forget about it. Also, more Mexicans crossing our border, swimming across the river, coming into the United States, taking American jobs, repatriating dollars back to the Mexican economy rather than supporting the American economy. Forget about it. If we can't put a wall on the doggone border, we'll put troops there. Every five feet, we're going to have troops. We will rotate them in shifts. We will send them down there, and we will guard every inch of that border. You think you can just jump that little barbed wire fence that used to pass as a border barrier? Forget about it. Now you're going to be met with armed resistance on the other side. You will be locked up. You will be zip-tied. You will be turned around and forced to march right back across the uh, the border or across that river. You think I'm joking? The president needs to make it clear to every nation whose government is facilitating the invasion of the United States that you will pay a price, a heavy one. No economic benefit to you, no no economic aid to you, sanctions to all of your governments. We, we are cutting you off. It is the only way. It is really the only way. When we talk about an invasion, when we talk about this migrant caravan, which continues, oh, I'm sorry, these, this, this caravan of, of invaders. They want to portray themselves as being refugees fleeing persecution, asylum seekers fleeing persecution from their own lands. Okay? I did a little bit of looking and researching and trying to find the exact wording of American law as it pertains to asylum seekers. There are three basic requirements in American law. First, an asylum applicant, including these, you know, now 14,000 or whatever it's going to be by the time they get there, 20,000, 25,000, 50,000, Lord only knows. They must establish that they are in fear of persecution in their home country. Okay? They have to have a credible fear of persecution. Mind you, the word is persecution, not fear of poverty. Not fear of not having as many good things as people in America have, but fear of persecution. Persecution is defined as hostility and ill treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. Not just poverty. It's not just, hey, our economy sucks. Yours is great. We want to come there. No, 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 no. To claim asylum, you must have a credible fear of persecution. That's number one. Number two, the applicant must prove that he or she would be persecuted on account of one of five protected grounds, some of which I just mentioned, race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or particular social group. 
Third, the applicant must establish that the government of their country is either involved in doing the persecution or is unable to control the conduct of private actors responsible for the persecution. You understand? They have to be fleeing persecution sponsored by the Honduran or El Salvadoran or the um, uh, Guatemalan governments on the basis of their race, their religion, their nationality, political opinion, or social group. Clearly, none of them have any claims whatsoever in that regard. They're not being persecuted. They're essentially just admitting, look, America is way better than the United States, or uh, way better than, uh, than our Central American countries. The United States is better than where we live. They've got jobs. We want their jobs. Well, you think I'm kidding? You think I'm making that up? No, they're announcing it very directly. They're admitting it. In fact, after I take this time out for traffic, I'll play a clip from one of the actual uh, caravan organizers and marchers who is who's basically saying, no, it's not about persecution. We want to go to work in the United States. We want to take jobs from the American people. We want to take jobs from the legal immigrants who are in the United States. This is about an economic opportunity for us, not about persecution. When they're admitting that to reporters, the entire army, and yes, I'm going to call it an invading army, is delegitimized. Your phone call's coming at 216-901-0945. I'll give you that audio clip from the uh, one of the marchers as well coming right up. And don't forget, you can hit me on Twitter as well at Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right. On Facebook, it's France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Back after this. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Nine twenty-three. Now the Bob France Marathon continues. It was my pleasure to. By the way, you haven't seen anything yet. FYI, tomorrow it's just going to be all France all the time, all day, all night. Uh, yeah, all, all all day, all night, and and uh, yeah, um, six a.m. to nine a.m. tomorrow morning. I'll be back in for Hugh Hewitt, whose voice is still just very, very uh, well unusable. Quite frankly, uh, he's uh, dealing with a sickness and laryngitis, and he's got another event tonight. On stage at the Battleground Talkers Tour, which continues in Philadelphia. So anyway, I'll be in for you tomorrow, then back for my show, then an afternoon show, then Larry Elder, 6 to 9 p.m. tomorrow night. So I'll be doing both uh, Hewitt and Elder tomorrow in addition to the regular routine. So yeah, all day, all night, all all. I'm trying to remember what the rest of that, it's a lyric. All day, all night, it's the doors. All day, all night, something, something, all right. Anyway. Uh, thanks for listening. Let's go to the phones, 216-901-0945. Jim is in West Park in early on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, can't, can't Donald Trump uh, close the ports of entry and say nothing goes from or to until the Mexican government turns that crowd around? Yes. 
Okay. Yes, then- he, he can, except except for the fact, and um, I, I talked with R.J. Hellman about this the last hour when I was doing Hewitt, and I'll play that later, um, except for the fact that it will almost certainly be challenged by an activist judge, and the judge will uh, enjoin the president from doing that. The judge will say, somebody on the Ninth Circuit or somebody else where they, where they judge shop for yeah. will say he can't do that. Uh, even though the president has full authority to do that, as granted to him by the, the Congress with the INA of 1952, they will. there will be an activist judge who challenges that, and then it's all in legal limbo, and they can't have all those thousands of people standing there in legal limbo, so they're going to start processing them and letting them in. That's the only problem. Okay, um, and Barack Obama came out on a rally, and he said that it was, it was at the tail end of his administration that the economy started to improve, and he was taking a lot of credit for it. Okay, um, on the 10th of November, uh, President, campaign President, uh, uh, campaign Trump went from president-elect, and 103 days later, on the 21st, he gave the country back to its people. So within 103 days, I watch, I watch, I read the business section of the paper every day, and every single day that that hockey stick started to climb. So even though he wasn't lying, it was probably the most dishonest uh, statement ever. It's got to be right up there. Yeah, right. well, and that and, and that's saying something for him. Thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. You, okay. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate the phone call. By the way, you know, you know what's really hilarious about Obama? Well, well, let me kind of get off in, in a different direction here. Last night, the president held one of his uh, biggest rallies yet. It was in Houston for Senator Cruz, who's being challenged by an absolutely politically um, ignorant. Um, uh, it's hard to describe Beto O'Rourke, but he's politically ignorant. He is he, he is on policy. He's ignorant. His history is terrible. His 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 agenda is is horrific for Texas and for America. So Trump is down there stumping and campaigning and having a rally for um, for Ted Cruz. People started lining up 24 to 36 hours in advance of this big rally last night. They're tailgating all day yesterday. They're cooking up food while they're in line. They're, I mean, they're just, it's a massive crowd of thousands. They had a massive crowd indoors at the venue of thousands and outside, I don't know, the president probably exaggerated it when he said there was 50,000 people outside. But his campaign, one of his, or not campaign, one of his uh, advisors or managers or someone was quoted as saying closer to probably 25,000. But the liberal mayor, or not mayor, rather the sheriff of uh, uh, Harris County down there in Houston, Texas, Art Acevedo, he's liberal, he hates Trump, said, yeah, there might be 3,000 people here. Even if you take that, the lying minimization of the Trump crowd and the Trump popularity factor from a liberal like 3,000 or like Art Acevedo says 3,000. Obama is going to these major blue areas to try to gin up support for Democrat members of Congress. He's drawing 750 people. Even if it was only 3,000, it's four times more than what Obama is drawing for crying out loud. You might say, well, Obama is the former president. not the current. It doesn't matter. He's out there campaigning for Democrats in one of the most hotly contested midterm elections in history. And he's failing miserably at getting crowds to turn out anywhere near like the ones Trump is getting out. So the enthusiasm factor, well, it's a factor. 
Do not underestimate that heading into these midterms. Gary in Olmstead Township, quickly. Go ahead, Gary. Bob, uh, Mike Gibbons, who is a candidate uh, for the uh, Senate here in Ohio, came up with a brilliant idea. What's and I've that? never, ever seen anybody carry through uh, with his idea about building the border wall at Mexico. Very simple. You set up an e-pass program. You start collecting the money. It's a billion and a half dollars a year. Uh, the president can sign an executive order. He doesn't need Congress or anything. You sell the bonds. The bonds are paid off by the e-pass fees that are generated when the cars come across the border. Now, nobody has nobody has taken the ball on this thing. I mean, it's a brilliant I, idea. I, I've it's heard that when Mike was running. Yeah, I, I heard that when Mike was running, Gary, and I've, I've got to cut it short here so I can get to my guest here after the news, but I heard that when Mike was running, and I ran it up a couple of different flagpoles, and it was shot down pretty quickly by a few other people who said that they're not going to do that because you're essentially making the American people pay for it as much as you are anybody else, because every time you go back and forth through that, you have to pay. And what if you're an American business? What if you're an American employee? What if you're, you know, Americans on vacation? Whatever the case might be. Uh, they did not like the idea of having to essentially tax Americans to go into Mexico and back to pay for the wall. That was just part of it, but uh, but I appreciate the phone call. Let me get out. Let me get news, then we'll come back. We're going to talk to former Trump advisor Sam Nunberg right here on AM 1420 The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is every bit of that. All eyes still in Mexico. All eyes still on the caravan, which according to some estimates, at least according to Mexican news outlets, have reached 14,000. Not 7,000, 14,000 potential invaders. Where is this caravan headed? More than 7,000 of them and growing by the minute. Well, they're 1,140 miles due south of McAllen, Texas. This is the closest port entry. Most Hondurans, Guatemalans, and El Salvadorans, when they flee to this country, come through this port of entry. Now, the last caravan a few months ago went to the San Ysidro port of entry in San Diego, but that would be almost twice as long for them to travel. So as we wait for these organizers of the Pueblos in Fronteras, People Without Borders. That's the name of the caravan. We'll wait and find out what exactly they plan to do. Does that not just smack you in the face with reality? People Without Borders is the organization, uh, organizing group of this caravan. Joining us now to react to this and talk about what it means in terms of the midterms, former Trump campaign advisor Sam Nunberg joining us on AM 1420. The answer. Sam, good morning, sir. How are you? Thank you for having me. People Without Borders sounds like the Democrat Party. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And you know what? Let's start there. Why? I mean, I, I've never seen anything quite like this being this impactful, potentially to A, the United States and her sovereignty and her security, B, the midterm elections, and yet have one of the two political parties be absolutely silent on it. I'm not hearing them cheering the caravan, but I'm certainly not hearing them condemning the caravan. They have just been silent on this. What's their game? Well, so it's a couple points. You know, very, very astute of you to say that. The reason the Democrats don't want to talk about the caravan is you know what their solution is. We saw this when they thought that they had a crisis, and I put that in quotes. I don't really think it was, but they had issues going on earlier in the year. They called the child separation. 
Um, and you heard what the Democrats really want to do. And not only did you hear it from Hillary Clinton, not only did you hear it from Elizabeth Warren, but you heard it from rank-and-file Democrats. What was their solution at that point was to let in all the illegal immigrants, to have the children go into the public schools, to put these, to, to put, um, give these people at least legalization. We know that they ultimately want to give them citizenship. And then, of course, not only for the elimination, abolition of ICE, but they wanted to prosecute and start investigating certain ICE officers. What happened was, as a result of that issue, the same way that Kavanaugh, what the Democrats were trying to do with him, with that persecution, which trial completely backfired on them. And it's one of the reasons why once President, President Trump, made the historic decision to actually take the midterms on his shoulder, make it a national election, Republicans are at the same base intensity level and the same enthusiasm and have the same interest. This issue has changed the American dynamics of politics because Democrats can't win on it. Democrats can't win on it. Our solution is common sense. It's border enforcement. It's a nation with borders. It's protecting American workers, protecting American children, worrying about employing them, not feeling bad for Guatemalans, El Salvadorians, Hondurans, and Mexicans that want to skip the line, come here illegally, and just get on the dole. Sam, uh, my friend uh, Peter Kersenow, who sits on the United States Commission on Civil Rights, I spoke to him this morning about this. Um, Democrats, as you know, and we all know, have relied very heavily on the black vote through the years. As a matter of fact, they can count on roughly 90 and a little bit more than 90 percent of the black vote for every Democrat presidential candidate. And yet, despite getting that, they have lost three of the last five elections. Black voters have to know that they are the ones most disproportionately impacted by the influx of all of these illegal aliens, whether they be from Mexico or Central American countries or around the world, because they come here and compete for the low to no skilled uh, labor jobs that uh, black Americans predominantly are involved in. Black Americans lose jobs to these illegal immigrants. Do you think that black America is going to recognize this and they see thousands more people coming to take the jobs they rely upon and turn away from the Democrat Party? Well, I think all Americans realize it. And you make an interesting point um, uh, talking about uh, black Americans because I remember during the 2014, there was a, um, uh, we had this, uh, another crisis at the border, and Obama was letting in children. He put some of them in the state of Ohio. And remember these children, some of them had diseases. Some of them, um, they none of them could speak English. And they were sitting there in public schools. And there was this, YouTube video that went viral of an, of an African-American woman in a Texas school saying, I don't want these kids in my school, in this public school. I want my kids to get educated. What are you bringing them here for? Yes, we need to get Americans at work. We need to help rebuild uh, the, the middle class that has been, frankly, drained out by, um, by Clinton, Bush, and Obama. Uh, we need to bring back manufacturing, and we need to make sure that we cannot let people think south of our border that they can just enter this country without any rules and that they have it coming to them. I, I don't understand their mindset, but it's got to stop. And what's really scary to me is that the president has been tweeting about this as this caravan has been moving across uh, across across those countries. He's been tweeting about it. When they were in El Salvador, he tweeted about it. When they were in Guatemala, he tweeted about it. Why did they not stop it? The reason is, 
is because from their point of view, they think they still don't understand the way the American uh, the American uh, attitude towards this has changed, and they think that we're going to just let these people in. I assure you, this president is not, and he is not joking when he says he will do anything and everything to stop these people from entering our border, crossing our border. We're talking to Sam Nunberg. He is a former Trump campaign advisor, an attorney, a political strategist. Um, go deeper there. What do you mean? What is he willing to do um, beyond, you know, uh, he said he would militarize the border, but what is the military normally used for? It's used for defense, uh, and they usually use weapons for that. He's not just going to shoot hordes of people coming through the um, uh, port of entry. So when you say there's nothing he won't stop at to stop this, what, what, are, you, what are we saying? I'm not talking about shooting people. Look, <clears throat> I know you're not. I know, I know you're not, Sam. I didn't mean to make that yeah, an accusation. No, no, I, I, that. I just mean what what can he do since he won't do that? Yeah, right. Um, uh, I work for uh, Steve Bannon. Uh, Steve Bannon's organization is Citizens of the American Republic. We have a documentary, a film Steve made it's called Trump at War. Mm-hmm. You can get it at TrumpAtWar.com. I hope everybody listening watches it to make sure that they get on a vote. I know early voting has already started in Ohio. Am I correct? So, yes, it has. Yes, it has. Um, Correct. So, if you haven't, make sure you vote and you watch this and you show it to some of your friends. Because with this president, going back to your question, he will put a, I believe he will put a show of force there, where, and he, where he will make sure that they cannot cross the border. If that means in consultation with the Mexican um, government, he gets along very well with the new president. He will do something along those lines. But with that said, you have to look. In this instance, this is a separate point. In all due honesty, Mexico, I feel bad for Mexico here as well. Mexico, to the extent, that, I mean, they, Mexico, to the extent of anyone out of all of the, out of all the players here besides the United States, they're the biggest victim, too. And once again, this goes to the fact that these people want to come in here, and the reason they want them from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador, it's because not only do they work here for low wages, but they send a lot of that money back into those local economies. And I think that the president um, will most likely, uh, most likely put uh, military uh, at the border in this situation. He has to make a show. He has to make some kind of show of force or strength or, uh, on the border here. You cannot let when they have made such a big deal about this, that they're continuing to come, that they're willing to go and get interviewed by NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN, you know, they're following the caravan, right? They're interviewing, I'm sure, and the funny thing is when they interview these people, it's always the mother, you notice that? It's always the mother with the four kids that's trying to cross the border. Of which there are very few, by the way, because the vast majority, according to reporting of those who are down there, these are working-age males who are making this trek because they want to come here, as you say, and work and repatriate the dollars back to their families in their uh, Central American countries, uh, which, again, helps their economy instead of ours. I'm sorry, go ahead. And that's the best case scenario, sir. That they just want to do correct. that, right? We correct. Yes. Correct. Because we don't. Because we don't know what. Yeah. Exactly. We don't know which of them are gang members. We don't know which of them are coming here to do very, very dangerous and violent things. Because we haven't vetted them, and we can't. I want to go back to something you said, Sam Nunberg, when you said Mexico is the second uh, victim in all of this. Um, 
two things. Number one, they could have stopped some of this themselves had they been a little bit more forceful at their own border with Guatemala. They sent some 500 troops down there or police officers or whatever it was to stop the the caravan and the caravan physically smashed through the barricades and said we're coming and so rather than continuing to resist that according to again multiple media reports the mexican mm-hmm. police now are escorting them northward saying well we couldn't keep them out so we're going to funnel them through and help them get through to the united states i don't know if i want to give them victim status after that well then i then i stand corrected but it, but but this has been forced on them by their southern neighbors and i once yes. again, though, I do think we need a change in direction in the, Mex- in the Mexico government. And the United States would normally just allow these people in. And, I, and that's not the way America feels right now. It's not. It may be the way the Democrat Party feels. It may be the way George Soros feels. It may be the way Barack Obama feels. It may be the way, um, it may be the way all the Democrats running in your districts feel for Congress. But it's not the way the Republican Party feels, and it's not the way this president feels, or the vast majority of Americans. Look, we have an issue of people that are here illegally. That's an issue. That's a separate. That's a separate discussion. But what? But we stand as a country now, saying no more, no boss. I think they can understand that, right? No boss, no more. So we cannot continue to have people come into this country illegally and then keep kicking the can down the line on border security. It has to start now. And that's why I really, really hope that people remember that if you're voting in this election, look, this president has taken a humongous gamble. Any other president, any other Republican president would have, first of all, dumped uh, Judge Kavanaugh during those hearings. He didn't. Any other president would have run for the hills. They would have said, Congress is going to lose. They're going to lose. That's their problem. I'm not going to campaign. He's made this a national election, a referendum on himself. Because if the Democrats take over the House, Lord help us, what will happen. Lord help us. I don't care if they have a half a seat majority. You're going to see impeachment, articles of impeachment. You will see a president effectively handcuffed the second half of his first term. And I'd ask anyone here listening, forget, forget the Democrats. We know what the Democrats want. They've been out to get this guy, Donald Trump, since the day he won the election, right? Since the day they called Pennsylvania for him. But I'm going to ask you, who does Iran want to win the House? Who does China want to win the House? Who do any of our other enemies? Do you think they want Donald Trump strong at home? He's, you know, so this will affect our national security. And it's, and it's frankly down to the wire here. Um, nine times out of ten, we would lose the House. I'm telling you, to your entire audience, if we hold every seat in Ohio, every Republican seat in Ohio, every congressional seat, we can keep the House. But we got to get out and vote. And if we don't get out and vote, you're not going to get that wall. I can tell you that much. And whatever the president has to do about this caravan, because it's not going to come here by November 6th, whatever he has to do, you'll, you'll see multiple investigations about it by Democrats. You'll see Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Nadler, Adam Schiff, Elijah Cummings. You'll see them harass ICE. You'll see them... They will make ICE feel the way that Obama made the CIA feel after they interrogated um, Al-Qaeda. You know what I'm saying? I do. That's what they will do. 
I do, and I don't disagree with a word of that. Um, it's the only question I have is: Do you think enough moderate Americans get that? Um, enough undecided voters, or or just you know centrist voters who may or may not fully like Donald Trump, and they might not vote for him or his party just based on you know their own you know their their own um, uh, uh, policies that they've been running on and so on and so forth. But they might very well vote against Democrat policies because of all of the things that you just ran down because of, of, of the, the danger that these thousands and thousands of people bring in terms of gang, uh, gangs, drugs, et cetera, et cetera, and the Democrats being complicit in their people-without-borders mentality. I just wonder, are centrist voters going to lean to the right on this simply because of the danger the left presents? Look, right now we have an election where we have axed their base intensity, which is unheard of. It's unheard of that the party out of power we have that space intensity at the midterm with the party in power. It's, it's the equivalent of the Democrats having the same base intensity that we had as Republicans in 2010-2014. Steve Bannon looks at this, I look at this as a base turnout. The president looks at this as a base turnout. Those late deciders, those moderates, I think they'll go the right way, but we're going to find out. Look, the numbers are changing. The numbers, I would tell you, when I got involved with this and I was looking at the private polling, we conducted extensive polling on our own. I'm able to see other C4 polling. We were looking at a 75-seat House loss, okay? We were looking at losing five seats in Ohio. Look, Troy Balderson may very well lose that race again in Ohio as well. That's the only race I'm worried about in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Because after he won that special election, the guy he beat just continued to campaign. Troy, Troy of course, couldn't raise a single cent for himself. These are minor details. I don't want to bash him, but... Republicans are going to come in and provide him some air power. But this race, we have to get out and vote. And if we get out and vote, and we vote for Donald Trump, and you vote on the economy, you vote on national security, and you vote on the, on the strength of the border. If we don't have a border, America won't be great again. If we vote on that, we will hold the House. I'm not here telling you we're going to win seats. What I'm telling you is that we will lose under 23 seats. But everybody's got to get to vote. Because the alternative is Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. The alternative is they send articles of impeachment up to the House. They have a trial, which they know they're going to lose. They don't care. They're going to do investigation, investigation after Donald Trump. And at the same time, you're going to be watching that freak show called the Democrat 2020 primary. The debates will start around March or April of 2019. And each one will be going about what they want to do to Donald Trump, whether they want to hang him or skin him a lot. That's right. That's what it's going to get to. We have to get out to vote. I cannot implore people. You're Listen, Ohio's different. If I go on the radio station in New York, I go on the radio station in, let's say, New Jersey, and I say, I say, look, this election, you actually get to cast the presidential vote here. It's true. What I can tell you, Ohioans, is that Florida and you decide the presidential election. You're deciding the president's path. This is even more important because you're not deciding who wins. You're deciding now the direction of our country in this election. And you're deciding of whether or not we're going to allow a republic to stand, the people stand, the counties that he won, if we're going to allow that to stand, or we're just going to allow the Democrats, you think the Clintons are sitting around, they're sitting, you think the Clintons are watching, we're going to allow the Democrats to get a do-over here and effectively handcuff Donald Trump, make your 2016 victory for Donald Trump, <coughs> null and void. 
and prepare for for Democrats to win. And I'm very, I, I think that, we're going to win. Well, I'll tell you what, I, 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 think, I think you hit all of the key points right on the head. The question, like you said, is going to be turnout in states like Ohio. We need to get everybody out there. And what I've been telling everybody, Sam, we'll wrap it with this, <clears throat> don't wait till November 6th. Vote now while you're still seeing all of this trash happening. Go vote now while you're seeing this caravan coming with full Democrat support. Go vote while you're still mad about what they did to a good and honorable man, honorable man named uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Early voting is in session right now. Go to your local board and vote now. Do not wait. Do not let anything get in your way. And we'll wrap it there. Dan, uh, Sam Nunberg, a former Trump campaign advisor and political strategist. Sam, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, and God bless America. Uh, amen to that. Thank you. Uh, that's Sam Nunberg coming up in about 15 minutes or so at about 10.10. Dr. Sebastian Gorka will join us to talk about uh, this as well right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.